Aaron. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Why would a young man be taken through a course across the United States of America from east to west, from north to south, and in the center part of the country, going to 26 schools over a period of 30 years? Why would that be brought upon a young Christian man? Well, one has to ask, because for many people, that would be a hyper-traumatic experience. 26 schools? Thus, I remember four schools in the sixth grade alone. Four high schools for all of the four years, from the West Coast to the East Coast to the center of the nation. Some would consider that to be almost child abuse, trauma. And yet, as I look back, I see that those things were necessary to prepare for what we're doing at this very moment today on Viewpoint. Why is that? Because it broadened an experience, gave me the ability to be able to respond to very unusual circumstances and very quickly to adapt, to be able to see circumstances across the country, to see how people are, to understand the church, in order to be able to do what we do here today on Viewpoint. Now, why do I share that with you as we open the program here today? Because the program is not about me. It's about you. That's right. The program is not about me. It's about you. You say, well, how could it be about you if it's about me? Well, (laughs) it starts getting a little confusing, doesn't it? But the reality is that what happens in our lives is usually for a reason. The problem is we don't understand the reason. One of the problems is that we're not even willing to understand the reason or see how God is working in and through our lives. We think that maybe what happened was a curse. But maybe, on the other hand, it was a blessing. So the problem is that we're looking for some kind of meaning, some kind of purpose in our lives. We want to understand why and what's happening is happening, don't we? And if we can understand just a little and find some meaning or purpose, it's going to help us get through the difficult times. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction. Talk that transforms. And just before the program today, I had an entire hour conversation from one of our listeners, a call from one of our listeners and supporters in Scotland. That's right, in Scotland. You say, well, I didn't know this program aired all over. Well, it does air. As a matter of fact, last month, it aired in 179 countries. That didn't just air. Actually, 179 listeners in those countries. On the other hand, as we spoke today, this gentleman called me. There was a a lament that came forth. I feel successful, but I don't feel purpose. I don't quite understand how to connect the dots in my life. So today on Viewpoint, as we spent an hour in that conversation to connect the dots, we're going to connect the dots again with our special guest, Joelle Malm, 
and his wonderful book, Connecting the Dots. What God is doing when life doesn't make sense, and oftentimes it just doesn't seem to make sense, does it, Joel? That is definitely for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You're living proof of that, aren't you? Well, yeah. You know, every time you think you got a hold on things, God throws you a curveball and keeps you on your toes. You know, I, I wondered why it was that I could graduate from college at the top of my class, summa cum laude, and then end up teaching during the Vietnam War for nine years and not knowing why I was doing what I was doing. How is it that all of that education was going to bear upon what I was doing there, teaching mathematics when I had not had any mathematics in college. How in the world do you relate to that? And then moving from that to teaching physical education and coaching, when in fact I didn't major in sports and didn't even engage in extracurricular sports in college. And yet, looking back, I can see how every single one of those pieces came into a needful fruition in connecting the dots, looking backwards. Why is it, uh, Joel, that we don't seem to understand and comprehend what God is actually doing until he's already done it? Well, I, you know, I think one of, that's the nature of faith. Uh, you don't need faith if you have clarity. And I think most of us want clarity. We think that's, we actually sometimes confuse clarity for faith, but... You really only need faith when it's really dark, and there's, you know, if there's sunshine and unicorns prancing through the sky, <laughs> you, you, you don't need faith. We need right. faith when it gets really dark, and we have to trust that your word is a lamp to my feet, a light in my path. It's one step at a time. I'm going to move forward, trusting that God really is working all things for my good. And as Soren Kierkegaard said, life must be lived forward, but it can only be understood looking backwards. How did you know I was just going to quote that? Oh, well, well, it's a good one, isn't it? Well, it is. It's it's a wonderful statement. Life is lived forward, but can only be understood looking backwards. And that's why we need to connect the dots. One of the things that we're known for on this program is connecting the dots in so many different ways. And if we don't connect the dots, we're not going to see the bigger picture, are we? No, I mean, that that's one of the I think that's one of the most important things we can do is is recognize most of the time God is always I heard John Piper say it this way God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and if you're lucky you get to see 3 of them <laughs> but he's always working behind the scenes accomplishing his purposes and we've just got to trust that he's leading the great thing is every once in a while you have this kind of wake up moment where you look back and go oh my goodness this what happened back there was preparation for what I'm doing right now. I mean, that's been in my story right now what I'm doing. I look at you know what I learned 15 years ago and this crazy missions experience I had in Mexico doing a bunch of stuff I didn't think I was qualified to do. I had to learn it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm using that today, and, and, and I'm not intimidated anymore by it. But I'll tell you what, if I would have been called to do what I'm doing today 15 years ago, I would have been just not ready. Likewise, I would have scoffed you to scorn if you had told me (laughs) that I would spend the last 28 years here on the air confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. 
But he has to give us his perspective in order to be to talk from his perspective, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think that's what, I mean, that's what, we're like, we're always wondering, what is God doing? And here's what, here's what I say with confidence. You can be confident that no matter what's happening in your life, we have the promise. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his, his purpose. purpose. That's right. His, his purposes, not our purposes, not the culture's purposes, but his purposes. But when we can get some higher perspective, you say, on our situation, we'll call that viewpoint. That's the name of the program. It can make it all the difference. And uh, so you have indicated that you want through this book to help people see that God really has been up to something that there's an end goal in mind for everything that you're facing, have faced, and will face. In other words, God has a hope and a future for you. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're connecting the dots. And quite frankly, as Joel Malm and I chat together today, we trust that the Holy Spirit will begin to connect some dots for you. You'll have some aha moments. And as a result of that, there will be a new sense of life and purpose and direction and hope uh, for the future that will emerge. You might be in the midst of one of the uh, nine separate stages that Joel uh, is going to talk about here on the program today. But no matter which stage or season we're in, we know, as he has said, we can have this confidence that God is working in and through us both to will and to do of his good pleasure, and that all things work together for good to them that love God. You notice, to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. You might say, well, I'm not called. Well, you're living, aren't you? Then you're called according to his purpose. Your problem is you just don't know what his purpose is. That may be the problem. And so you're living purposelessly and in frustration and lack of fulfillment. That's not how God wants us to live. I'm convinced of that. And so... Joel, you're uh, presenting three key premises that we need to understand as a foundation for all of this. But before you uh, lay those on us, I want to make your book available because what I have found is that you have laid out in your book such an immense, accurate, uh, almost a plea for people's lives that... uh, if we will just get a hold of this viewpoint, connecting the dots, we're going to see a fulfillment level in our lives that will be beyond most anything that we had ever hoped for or experienced. And so, friends, the book is an $18 book, yours for uh, $17 on our website, saveus.org, 
saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Connecting the dots. What God is doing when life doesn't seem to be making sense. So, uh, Joel, you've got these three key premises. Uh, Let us have them. Well, the first one is God is always at work in your life, but most of the time you can't see it or understand it. Or you better repeat that to get it across to us. All right. Well, God, hey, if you're listening and you're wondering, God is always at work in your life, but most of the time you can't see it or understand it. Number two is his work tends to follow a very specific, it's like a circular pattern in every season of life. And when we understand the pattern of his work, it helps us gain that perspective on his divine hand in our life. And number three is God's work in your life has prepared you with a unique message to share and a problem to solve that will point people to his goodness and in the process will give your life meaning and purpose. It's for his glory and for our joy and for fulfillment that he's working history or his story into your story. That's right. And, uh, you know, it reminds me, you talk about this circular thing. Reminds me of uh, what rabbis uh, talk about. They called it the helix of history. And uh, it starts at the bottom, and it goes around. If you know what a helix is, it's it's like a, a screw kind of a thing. And as it gets upward and upward, it gets narrower and narrower uh, to the ultimate, uh, sh- shall we say, apex or summit of, of that helix. And uh, you might think, well, it's what goes around comes around, but that's not really what this is about. It's like the fulfillment of prophecy. You start at one point, prophetic, uh, prophetic statement is made, then it comes around again, and the prophecy is fulfilled even the more so, and then it comes around the third time, is fulfilled to its maximum as originally intended. Now, what you're saying is, that this pattern that God works in our lives is sort of like that. It's circular, uh, not a straight line, not a linear line that you go from point A to point B on a straight line, but it leads us in ever largering, uh, largening circles. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. You know, Psalm 23, uh, one of the fascinating things about it, there's so much depth in that verse, which is why we always find ourselves going back to it. But it says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And mm-hmm. that Hebrew word for path, magol, it has this sense of paths made of circles. So if you think about a shepherd gently leading sheep up a hill, they can't go straight up. It's too steep. So he leads them in this circular pattern, kind of going these switchbacks around the mountain to get them up the hill. And there's another interesting <clears throat> thing that Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, if, if we're in our right mind, it's because Christ's love compels us. And that Greek word, suneko, is very weird, because if you look at it in some translations, it actually says his love constrains us. Mm-hmm. You go, well, compels is the push, constrains is the squeeze. What is it? And, and it, it carries this sense that God's love comes and wraps around you, and he wraps around you in a way that he squeezes you to become all you can, like you're a, like you're a tube of toothpaste or something, and he squeezes you and pushes you out, to become, to walk, it's the sanctification is the big theological word, to become all he's called you to be. And I believe that that, the way he pushes you out is he gently leads you in this circular pattern where you find yourself coming back to to certain themes, 
certain concepts, maybe certain time frames. Maybe for you it's every three or seven or ten years God changes something in your life. And there's this circular nature to it, and every time you come around the circle, you're going, wow, this again? But, it, yeah, but My wife and I have found that to be every five to seven years. Interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. and every time you're like, wow, it's, it, it, it's a little bit different, but it's the same and familiar, and it's just... But there's a gift in a book uh, where Paul, he says, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Mm -hmm. There's this core of who you are. Uh, Carl Jung, he said, there is no linear evolution. There's only circumambulation of the soul, which is like, what does that mean? What I think he's reflecting on is this idea that at the core of who you are, God made you for a very specific purpose. But he's never going to settle for you staying in that small circle. He wants to push you out to become all you can, and so he Mm -hmm. leads you in these this spiral, this ever-widening spiral to, to, to come to the fulfillment of all he made you to be. And in the process, he gets the glory for what he's doing in your life. All right. Well, you and I, I have some similar experiences. Uh, in my early 20s, uh, I was engaged in a considerable amount of mountaineering, uh, hiking, climbing, backpacking, rock climbing, and so on, and uh, have made many a, a summit, uh, 13 14,000-foot peaks there in the Sierra Nevada where we were. And uh, one of the things, you mentioned the word switchbacks. Now, I don't know of a single hiker, backpacker, climber, or anybody else that likes switchbacks. What is the purpose of a switchback? Well, it's to help you get where you're going without killing yourself. Well, yeah, you got to go up and you got to go around slowly. It's like creating sort of a pathway of uh, almost like a fulcrum to get you up a little easier, but it's not easy to get you up to the top where you want to go, right? Yeah, I mean, it feels like the longer path. It does. But ultimately, what it's doing is it's creating longevity, the ability for you to get to where you're going. You know, if you've ever, I tell you, I lead hikes. I've I've led thousands of people around the world on adventure hikes. And one Mm -hmm. of the biggest mistakes people make on that first day is they overexert themselves. They're like, I'm I'm just going to blow ahead everybody else. And I'm like, hey, it's a long hike we're on here. Like, this is four, (laughs) five, seven days. And after the first day, they come to me like, I don't think I can keep going. And I'm like, well, you got to pace yourself, buddy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's <laughs> so what God think- wants to do in our lives. Uh, there's a kind of pacing that he does. And we'll go along for a while, and things seem to be on a fairly evil key, even keel. And then we're hit with another series of switchbacks to get us to the next level. And then we get up there, and everything seems relatively glorious. But then we still haven't reached the summit yet. And so we've got another series of switchbacks that we got to go through. Isn't life like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, Paul talks about, he says, in ever-increasing glory, God is transforming us. And it's, it's, you, you, you get to a place, and you're like, wow, look how far I've come. And he goes, yes, and just wait till you see where I'm taking you next. Yeah. You take a little breather, and then a new circle starts. I talk about that every season is like a circle. Every season starts with a turning point. And there's these series of challenges you go through, and you learn through it, and you get stronger as you go. And, you know, life doesn't get easier. We have to get stronger. And he just keeps calling us to greater and greater and greater things, and he empowers us to do that on the journey. But a lot of us don't realize that that's what he's doing, because we're not, we don't have a viewpoint that enables us to see that. We don't have God's perspective. That's one of the reasons why here on this program we're saying we're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective, not from the culture's perspective, 
not from the economy's perspective, not from the political perspective per se, but from God's eternal perspective. And that perspective then hovers over all other areas of our life so that we can see clearly and begin to connect the dots. Absolutely. I mean, as strength is his goal for us, he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. One of the things I talk about in the book is there's this guy named Nassim Taleb, and he basically says there's three kinds of organisms in the world. There are fragile organisms that break when they're exposed to stress. There are robust organisms that are unaffected by stress. And then there are, he said, but robust and fragile aren't opposite, because he said fragile things break. So he came up with this word anti-fragile, and an anti-fragile <laughs> organism it actually gains through chaos and disorder. And he says humans, basically he says God made us to be anti-fragile. You know, a certain amount of stress actually strengthens us for the battle, makes us stronger. But he says if you treat an anti-fragile organism like it's fragile, you get snowflakes. That's my translation. But you get people that become fragile. And Mm -hmm. he says God, you know, I'm saying this, that that's like God loves us too much to, to let us, become weak and soft, and he wants us to be light and strength in this world, a, a picture of his, of his grace and glory. Obviously, we, we count on his strength, not our own strength, but a certain amount of stress actually builds you, which is why Paul can say something as ridiculous as, we rejoice in our suffering, for we know that suffering produces endurance, mm-hmm. endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope will not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. So their God's sufferings goal. and trials are like the switchbacks. They're like the switchbacks. They're like going to the gym. I joke with people. I say, look, if you go to the gym and work out really hard and the next day you're sore, you don't complain. You go, hey, it's working. (laughs) Okay. Well, here's a situation that I think uh, holds a lot of people back and is frustrating. Uh, They want to believe that God has a purpose for their life, but they don't see that he does have a purpose for their life. They don't feel like he has a purpose for their life. But you say that at our core... The way God created us, given our personality, our temperament, our giftings that don't change, then God made us who we are for a reason, even if at this point in time, the parts, well, we may not like them, or we may not see how they're working together, but they will if we'll allow God to do that work. I mean, that's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It's for, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that you can't boast. Uh, for we are his workmanship. It says his master, his poema. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he, cre- which he uh, made beforehand that we should walk in them. And basically, that's the promise you have. If you're here, you're not here by accident. It, your mama may have said you were an accident, but you weren't. You were divinely placed here by the hand of God, and for the, we were talking about that before the program, for such a time as this, you mm-hmm. are placed right here on this earth. God put you here for a reason. You may feel like you don't fit in. You may have not found like you're, you're, you're where you're firing on all cylinders, but stay the course because there's going to come a moment where it's all going to come together and you're going to go, this is what I've been put on earth to do. Mm. And that's where we want to go with the balance of the program. Uh, we want to get into the power of our individual stories, the power of your story, my, my story, and all of our stories, because this is how God works. And he has called you. In fact, I want to just uh, urge those of you who are listening today uh, to take the words that were just shared uh, by Joel Malm uh, right out of the book of Esther, 
where it says, who knows but you are what you are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to personalize it. And I want you to say, no matter how I feel right now, no matter how things look right now, I am called to the kingdom for such a time as this. I am called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, Lord, you work it out and help me to see how you're connecting the dots to fulfill that in and through my life, to give my life purpose and meaning and uh, endurance for the challenges ahead. Is that fair, Joel? I I think that's right on the money. All right. When we get back, friends, you better hang in there because we're about ready to go into the great story, your story, and it follows a pattern. And this pattern we need to get a grip on It'll help us to connect the dots. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismar. You graduate from high school and they call it commencement. You graduate from college or university and they call it commencement. But what is it commencing? Well, what it's basically saying is it's a turning point. From this point on, something's going to happen. Something has to happen. The problem is what we don't always know what that something is going to be. And so we take the next step. As a Christian, we take the next step by faith. But we don't know exactly where that's going to lead. How many times have I had to share with my Uh, grandchildren in their frustration concerning choices that they're feeling like they have necessity to make and they want to jump ahead. They want to know everything about their life direction and it doesn't work that way. God usually works in our lives in a circular uh, pattern to take us from point A to point B to point C to point D And we don't have never figured out where those points are going to be. We think they're going to be on some straight line. But God may have a very different plan. That's the story of my life. Is that the story of yours, Joel? Very much so, yes. (laughs) I mean, if if you and I were to take the rest of the hour uh, to try to follow those patterns in our lives, it would take the whole hour, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, 
this whole concept, I, I kind of came to realization of working with people over months at a time, trying to help them figure out what they were put on earth to do. And we, we kind of developed this pattern and we realized, wow, this is a pattern we see in everybody's life. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, we would literally work six months on figuring out what were the, what was the, the, the key, what have been the key turning points in your life. And most people have six, seven, sometimes 10, 12 of the turning points, mm-hmm. but they're all pointing there's a, there's a thread of meaning that God's weaving through that yeah. story. Well, I can certainly point out many of those, and my wife and I are in agreement on what those turning points are. It's pretty amazing. But when we were going through it, we didn't understand that. Yeah, it's it's again, it's that life is lived forward, but it can only be understood when you're looking backward. Okay. Now, uh, we want to take a look at these uh, uh, patterns uh, there is a nine-point pattern that you've laid out in your book, which I think is utterly, it's just fantastic. It is so, so helpful and so uh, particular if we're willing to see it. And it requires that we have a willingness uh, to see and to submit to God's uh, circular story, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 recognizing that First of all, it's starting with what you what you closed that last segment with is you've got to recognize there is a purpose, and if you'll keep your eyes on that and you begin to seek that, you you will find it. You will find it. Yeah. Okay. The first item in the pattern is the turning point, and you say living uh, you're living your normal life, but you have a deep sense that there's more out there for you. That's exactly what the man said to me our listener, when he called from Scotland today. Yeah, I've heard that. The, the wild thing is, here's the wild thing, Chuck. I have heard people who have, like, if you looked at their life, you would say they've arrived. They've, they're they the CEO of the corporation. They've got the cars. They've got, some of them have airplanes. I've worked with these guys in coaching. Mm-hmm. And they say, I've got a great life. I've got a great family. I love everything I've got. But, but I know there's I know there's more in me. Yeah. And then I've talked to people that literally have hit rock bottom and they say every time I shoot up or snort up, I know I'm better than this, but the pain is so great. And I, that's that that's what I believe is. That's that love of Christ saying it's compelling you to more. It's a holy discontentment. And again, it's always there whether you feel like mm-hmm. you've hit rock bottom and you say I'm better than this or whether you're at the top of your game according to what the world says and you say I know there's still more in me. That holy discontentment, it's God's love pushing you out to become all you can be. And we usually kind of have an idea of what we want the adventure to be, but typically the adventure shows up as a little bit, not quite what we expected. Yeah, exactly, because it's not on a linear basis, a straight line, but it's in a circle. And uh, I tell you, I would never in my wildest dreams have believed even – you know, 15 years into law practice that I would be doing for 28 years a uh, live radio program every single day. I would never have believed that. I would never have believed that I would have written 10 books. I would never have believed any of those things. On the other hand, when I was in college, I would have never believed that I would have gone to law school or that I would have practiced law for 20 years. And what could that possibly have to do with God's kingdom? Some people might look at that and say, oh, well, you just completely missed your plan and your purpose. Oh, no, that was a significant part of the training. Or how about running for the state legislature twice in California? What would that have to do with God's purposes? That sounds awfully secular, doesn't it? 
Well, what you didn't know is that I had to walk a thousand miles door to door, up over hill, over dale, hitting the dusty trail every single day because we had no money to run a campaign. That's how we ran. And God taught me through that to endure and to persevere and also to care for people. We just never know what those experiences are that God is trying to use uh, to lead us to the next dot in our lives, do we? Yeah, we, we don't. And one of the things about the turning point, um, if you think about it, you know, every story we know and love, like all the great stories, they all start with the character having a turning point. You think about Luke Skywalker, he's kind of, he's got these dreams, he's looking out the moon, you know, he wants to, to you know, join the academy, but he's got to help his uncle with the, the harvest. And all of a sudden, a turning point happens when two droids show up and there's an hologram, help me Obi-Wan, Kenobi, you're my only hope. And the next thing you know, he's in an intergalactic battle to save the universe. Uh, well, Dorothy, I feel like we're all in an intergalactic battle right now. We are, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, Dor- Dorothy's saying, oh, somewhere over the rainbow. And then all of a sudden, a-, a tornado comes through and literally takes her somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah, That's a picture of a turning point. You, you kind of have an idea of what you want to do, but typically the-, the shift happens. And then when it happens, you've got to decide. You know, G.K. Chesterton, my favorite author, he says, an adventure is only an inconvenience rightly considered. It's Whoa, not an adventure. Now that is precious. Yeah, it's an, not adventure an adventure is an inconvenience wrong. rightly considered. Yep. I mean, it's we want adventure on our terms, but that's not a real adventure. All right. It's so when you're adventure. out in the tent in the wilderness and your flesh says, "I want to be in a comfy hotel," <laughs> <laughs> I got right. your number, didn't I, brother? Oh man, come on! You're you're you're, you're airing my dirty laundry. <laughs> Okay, uh, so we have a turning point, but then the turning point creates chaos and uncertainty in our life, and you say it calls for courage. Yeah, absolutely. Courage is, is required, um, and, you know, courage is, is always required in every season. Uh, another one of my G.K. Chesterton quotes, one of my favorites, courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live taking the form of a readiness to die, a soldier surrounded by enemies. If he needs to cut his way out, he has to combine a strong desire for living with a strange carelessness about dying. There's this courage that's required to say, man, you know what Jesus said? He who will lose his life will gain it, and he who will try and gain his life will lose it. And there's this element of you have to, you have to um, throw your, your confidence in him and move forward saying, God, I believe that you're leading and guiding me, and I'm going to move forward in faith, even though I can't see a way out of this. Mm-hmm. And that's where the courage is required. And I, I, I talk about this is kind of counseling 101. I have a master's degree in counseling. And you tell people, look, fear doesn't go away. It just gets bigger unless you confront it in yeah. small doses. You have to face the thing you fear in small doses. And as you do it, it loses its power over you. You'll probably never be fearless, but you can fear less. And faith and fear, they're, they're just this, they're really the same thing. If you can be a fear-filled person, you can be a faithful person because fear is just faith that the wrong, the worst possible things are going to happen. Well, not only faith. that, but fear has torment, the Bible says. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, 
I mean, it's it's the same kind of drive, though. You're just believing. It's mm-hmm. belief that the worst is going to happen rather than believing that I'm convinced that neither life nor death yeah. nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things coming nor power nor height nor depth nor any other created thing is able to separate me from the love of God, which, which and that's what First John says, there's no fear in love, but a perfect love. Love casts out fear. out fear. All right, now yeah. here's the deal, though. Uh, if you are demanding comfort at every place in your life, there's no place for courage. You demand comfort instead of courage, right? <laughs> Good luck. Some of us think, yeah, some of us think uh, we've uh, eliminated all eventualities in our life, but eventually that just means uh, it's it's going to sneak in somehow. Yeah. It's going to sneak in. And so you, you don't be deluded into thinking. One of the things I joke about in the book is I take people to Israel all the time, and the first thing they ask me is, is Israel safe? And uh, I got so tired of that question that on the front of the uh, info packet, I put, uh, answer, read this question first. Is Israel safe? I said, life is inherently dangerous because you will be alive while on this trip. There is an element of risk involved. <laughs> <laughs> Every day has an element of risk involved, no question about it. And just look at your banking experience and you'll know that's true. All right. Oh, man. The, <laughs> the next point is the guide. Uh, Jesus, who promised he would leave us a guide who would lead us into all truth. So we have to be confident that God, through his spirit, is going to guide us. One of the problems, though, that people have is they don't spend enough time in the word of God to have the spirit of God even speak to them. Yeah, I mean, there's this famous ancient proverb that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so many times we're saying, I, I, you know, I need guidance, I need guidance, but when you truly are willing to submit yourself to guidance, the guidance will be there. And I talk about 3.5 ways that the Holy Spirit guides us. I call it 0.5 because one of them is not a real—sometimes you can go either way on it. The first one is the Word of God. It's the gold standard. God Mm -hmm. will never, ever call us to anything that contradicts His Word. If anyone ever tells you something that contradicts His Word, that's not guidance. Uh, The second is He will use authorities and people in our life that are, are in line with Scripture to guide us. The third is that there is an inner voice. It says the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives within us. you got to be careful. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Right. you got to kind of watch that. And then the fifth one, point I mean the point five, is circumstances. Sometimes circumstances will line up, and sometimes you have to yeah. act in spite of far the... Of, of, exactly. Of Friends, Joel Mullum. The book, Connecting the Dots, What Does God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Great, 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 great book. $17 on our website, saveus.org. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. 
In the 1970s, a very wonderful song was written. It goes like this. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Through it all, through it all. The problem, friends, is that we get lost in what we're going through and miss the goal ahead. We don't see that it really has purpose. And so we're frustrated and we're discouraged and disappointed. And then we live in the spirit of that disappointment instead of in the spirit of the hope of the future and the dots that are being connected. And when we don't connect the dots, we end up in misery and misery loves company. So there are a lot of people out there that aren't connecting the dots as professing Christians and they're miserable, and they commit misery together. That's not pleasing to God, and it's not fulfilling to you either. So that means the next step is we have to make a decision. You have to step over the threshold into the unknown. There's a whole new world filled with uncertainty and insecurity. I'll never forget uh, when a... Christian secretary came to me after four years uh, in a small law firm in California that had the reputation of being a Christian law firm. And she came to me and she says, Chuck, I hope you're not considering becoming a partner here. Now, what she meant by that, and I knew, was that two of the partners there were not believers. And she knew that the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Well, the Holy Spirit spoke to me through that and through another event that I don't have opportunity to talk about, and I had to make a decision. After four years of investing myself and growing in the practice of law, I had to make a decision. And I made the decision, and 30 days later, I opened my own practice. Now, you think that wasn't challenging? I didn't have any money. I didn't have hardly much of the way of clients to take with me. I had to start all over again. Now what am I going to do? Isn't that kind of the way we feel, uh, Joel, when we uh, uh, launch into a decision that God is putting us in the place of making, and we're fearful, and we don't make the decision? Yeah, because he always calls us to faith. And so he's never going to lay out the whole path ahead. And we, we like the whole path ahead laid out. And You're kidding there's, me. There's, there's this element of one, one of my favorite verses. Um, I, I'm a fan of what I call Savage Jesus. You know, everybody loves Savage Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I love. He, he wasn't Jesus. a brother of Michael Savage. Come on. <laughs> no, but there's sweet Jesus that everybody loves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, now I get it. Yeah, where you're like, Jesus was cold-blooded, where there's this guy that says, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus is like, well, come on. And he's like, well, let me go take care of some things first. got to kind of fix some stuff. And he goes, hey, who who puts his hand to the plow and looks back isn't worthy to follow me. Whoa. Whoa. That's tough talk for troubled times. Yeah, that's like, what in the world? And he says that to another guy. The guy's like, well, let me bury my... Let me bury my father. And he's like, nope, let the dead bury their dead. You come and follow me. And there's this element, he says, 
you got to go all in. You can't keep one foot over here and one foot over there because the things I have for you, they're going to, it's going to be challenging and you need to be fully committed to the path. Like you right there, you said, I'm cutting the strings with the, with the other, with the law firm and I'm starting my own thing. And you know what? If I fall on the, on my face, so be it. I'm going to do what I feel God is calling me. Which means where I'm heading into becomes an adventure. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you're into adventures. Uh, I found myself going into adventures. In fact, my wife and I look back and we see our whole life as being an adventure. Uh, we would have never, ever, when Kathy married me, she would have never, ever in her wildest dreams have thought that we would have taken the kind of course that we have uh, doing those things. But we look back and we connect the dots, and those are the things that have brought the ultimate meaning in our life. You know, one of the things that's interesting from a psychological standpoint is when you have a challenge that comes into your life, you can look at it as one of two ways. You can see yourself as a victim, but mm-hmm. when you do that, your mind immediately goes into it literally triggers chemically survival mode. So you're on the lookout for anything that can harm you. You shrink your world. But if you actually look at it as an adventure, your mm-hmm. mind goes into learning mode and you begin to see you're kind of the, the possibilities open up and you go. I'm going to learn something here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn. And we have a choice. Every time life throws a curveball at us, God allows something into our life that we go, what is this? What is this all about? We have a decision. Are we going to see it? We're going to see ourselves as a victim. And, and yet you didn't sign up for that. You didn't expect your husband was going to leave you. You didn't expect that the, the financial cri- the bank was going to crash. Or you go, am I going to see it as I'm a victim? Or am I going to see it as an adventure? Like, well, what's going to happen next? Yep. And when you take on the adventure, it actually creates, God created your brain that a chemical response comes in that actually begins, you begin to step into learning mode rather than victim mode. Well, not only that, but in the adventure, uh, you get a certain kind of spiritual adrenaline, I think, mm. that uh, comes into place. You like that? Spiritual yeah, adrenaline. Spiritual adrenaline. The problem yeah. is that uh, just at that very time, you kind of feel like you moved into an area that uh, you weren't prepared for. Uh, the battle is becoming great. You call it the dark cave uh, moment, and uh, I can relate to that. You've made the decision. You're out in the adventure. Now what? Things don't look as cool and as great as I thought they were going to be. Well, every story we love has that that dark cave, you know, whether it's Frodo going into Mount Doom and trying to decide whether he's going to hold on to the ring for his own power or destroy it, whether it's Jesus on the cross saying, or right before he goes to the cross saying, Father, if there's any other way to pull this off, let's do it. But not my will, but your will be done. The dark yeah. cave is the moment of surrender where you go in and you have to face off with something you'd rather ignore. It's a dragon, right? The dragon in the cave or and Joseph Campbell says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. We have but then to go you've got to, dark... then you've got to hit for, for a resolution of all of that. You can't stay there. Uh, you, you've got yeah. to resolve, okay, I'm going to surrender to God's per plan or purpose in this situation uh, as dark and as unfortunate as it seems to be because I believe that he has a plan and a purpose. So I surrender to that. You call it the resolution. And that leads us to a whole new perspective. We call this program Viewpoint. We say Viewpoint determines destiny, and it really does, doesn't it? Absolutely, and that's that's the goal of every experience God is putting you through. Remember, he's working you 
in you to willing to act according to his good pleasure. So he is accomplishing his work, and the goal is he wants you to expand your perspective to see, you know, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed to see the world the way God sees it. And every experience in, is he's trying to help you see more of the way he sees the world. That's that shift in perspective, which ultimately gives you a unique mission and message as you declare the work that he's done in your life. That's a that revelation. We, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It's God's redemption in your story, and the power gets unlocked when you're willing to tell people the word of your testimony about that redemptive work in, his, in your life. And that's when your survival story becomes somebody else's survival manual. Isn't that amazing? Life. So God works through your infirmity, your, uh, what did Paul go through? He, he had this, uh, uh, this, what's that? He called it a thorn in the flesh. Yeah, he, yeah. he called it the thorn in the flesh, and he wanted God to get rid of it for him. And he said, I prayed three times. And God said, no, uh, no, that thorn is actually going to minister through you, I'm going to use that to accomplish my purpose, my greater purpose in and through you, for my strength will be made perfect in and through your weakness. Now, that's really what you're saying is our life message actually becomes the product of our seeing, walking through, being willing to walk through all of these steps circular as it may be, or a seam, trusting that God is working in and through us both to will and to do of his good pleasure so that we can confidently say he has called me to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's a beautiful you got thing. It. That is, that's the essence of the circle right there. It's, it's, his, it's his work in your life preparing you for your greatest days ahead. So the message and perspective, I'm reading right from your book now, the message and perspective you've gained from each stage in your journey is something the world needs to hear now. It's your mission. It's your gift. And what if everything that has happened to you has prepared you for your greatest work, unbeknownst to you? So right now, you may be at the turning point. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, you've you've dedicated your life to coaching people in this regard. Can you tell us just a little bit about it in a, about a minute? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teaching pastor at our church. I travel around and speak at different churches as well. Um, I, do, I do less coaching now, and I do more just writing. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I write version devotionals. So if you use the version Bible app, I've written quite a few of those. You can actually, there's one for connecting the dots, the book on it's free on the Uversion Bible app. Just plug in my name, Joel Mall, and a bunch of them will come up. Um, and I write those. I write articles and books, and uh, and then I still do the outdoor adventures. More of, most of the coaching I do now is I just take people into the outdoors and let God speak to them through the outdoors, and mm-hmm. maybe give a little guidance. But that's that's kind of what I'm up to these days. You have a good cardiovascular system. I I do my best to keep it up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, some altitude sickness? Do you have to deal with that along the way? Um, fortunately, I go. Usually, the place I go, we have enough time to acclimatize, and we do uh-huh. it slowly enough. Good for you. So uh, the only 
concern was that Kilimanjaro was a little bit concerning. The first time I went up there, I got altitude sickness really bad. Yeah. Uh, the next time I went up, I took kind of a mild dose of Diamox just to make sure I was okay. Uh, it's kind of it's, a, it's an well, good for you. Thing. You know, uh, it, it it looks a lot like what God does in our lives. He doesn't want us to ascend too quickly toward mm. the summit in our lives, because if we do, we're going to get sick. We're not going to. Our system isn't going to be able to handle it. And quite frankly, uh, my uh, system was not able to handle rapid ascent. If I started out at 8,000 feet and tried to go to 12,000 feet in the same day, I had problems, big problems. But if I would stop at 10,000 feet, I was okay. And I think that's what God wants us to do in our lives. He He wants us to grow gradually. Growth is a gradual thing. And if we're willing to humble ourselves and submit to his word, his will, and his ways at every moment, at every decision point, then our system that he has given to us is going to be able to handle it, and our strength will be sufficient to press on to the next point and reach the summit. What say you? Say amen to that. All right. So uh, you're leading your daughter seven years of age to uh, press on too, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yes, it's a wild world out there. Some days you look around and go, what kind of world are we bringing children into? But like we were talking about earlier, we have to believe that God gave us the child that the world needed right now for such a time as this. And she's our, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So I'm going to raise up a warrior. Uh, raise up a warrior. It's, what did I say? It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're full of them. You're just full of these wonderful statements. I appreciate it. <laughs> say that one again so we can remember it. Uh, that's an ancient, uh, I think it's a Chinese proverb. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. There you go. Well, I like uh, gardens, uh, but uh, you can't be a gardener in a war uh, unless you're warring against weeds. That, that that will work. All right. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, Joel. And uh, your book is a wonderful book, Connecting the Dots, What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Seem to Make Sense. It's an $18 book, friends, yours for $17 on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. I cannot overstate the importance of this book for you. I really can't. It's a wealth of hope for you. Remember, God knows the thoughts he has toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give unto you a hope and a future. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.